while you're looking for that, let me let me do this. Uh, let me just introduce the show and say hi to everybody. Heroin, heroin, heroin. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a fucking brutal song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All oh. right. I'm just addressing the public. Uh, hi, welcome to the show. Welcome to Vinyl and Vision. I'm your host, Jimmy Drab. This is my friend and my guest tonight, Andy Larson. Uh, would you like me to call you Harold Andy Larson? No, Andy's fine. Andy's good? Yeah. All right. Andy's a friend of mine. Uh, he, uh, We met together while we were working, and um, you are now retired. Yes. So congratulations to you. Yeah. I envy you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not bad. <laughs> Retirement isn't bad. <laughs> hey, would you mind moving that a little closer to you? Because I don't know if I'm picking you up too well. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but uh, so what I... I, I just wanted to mention this really quickly because I keep on forgetting to do it on the shows. But um, so we sell the records here. So the purpose is to take a look at the record, get a good glimpse of it so that people out there buying it can actually see it very clearly, kind of up close in HD. And we're going to play the entire in the record in its entirety. We might take breaks. We might stop the song or, you know, stop in the middle of songs, like just to kind of, continue our conversation but uh that's what we're doing and now andy you're going to be the first guy that i have to do a curation with okay so i'm going to i'm curating your record catalog right okay so because i i am sell i sell records i have my own ebay store andy's going to have his own ebay store too that's the difference okay so this time the the record we're featuring he's sharing his limelight somewhat well yeah no i mean it's it's uh I mean, I, I appreciate you letting me go through your records and because, you know, because you want to sell them. Yeah. And so you asked me about, you know, kind of helping you out with the pricing and all that stuff, um, which I'm going to go so far as to actually help you put them up and get them active. So it's going to be a long process. Andy's got a lot of records. Um, Thousands of records. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Uh, so we went through a very small portion of it. I brought home about three crates of your records to kind of go through and kind of do some research, find out what you were working with, what you were looking at possibly for your resale. And uh, we found some great gems. Yes, indeed. <laughs> One of those gems. Now, I don't, I don't think you were as excited about this as I was. Well, I, I wasn't aware of the value of it, for one thing. And then, uh, but now in retrospect, I, I, I realize why it is such a gem after I yeah. did a little more research on it. Yeah, I mean, well, it's not a first printing, but it's a relatively newer printing. Well, what I can tell you... No, no, this oh. isn't new. Well, no, what? no. I mean, it's... I, I, I'm not saying it's the first pressing. I believe it's, it's an early pressing. It is, yeah. yeah. So from what I did, what I found out in my research was that this copy in particular is what they called the, um, the third generation. I think that's what they call it, generation. Okay. So uh, first generation basically looked exactly the same. Um, there were very insignificant differences, but I guess there was like a big controversy about this picture on the back cover. So, um, as you can see in this one, uh, you, you, you can see it. Yeah. I'm going to get a close up on it anyway, but, uh, you can kind of see how the picture of the band on stage, uh, this, um, the, the projection that they had going in back of them actually had the, a photo of a, a famous writer, I can't remember his name right now. Um, Timothy Leary, maybe? No, it wasn't Timothy Leary, but uh, it was somebody, and basically he was trying to sue the band for using his likeness without his permission. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay, so, so so they basically had to try so to alter it, this somehow. Was it changed in, 
in the third generation was changed? By or? the third generation, they airbrushed it out. So as you can see around here, you can see a really dark coloring around this, the kind of perimeter of the, uh, of the band. You can still see Lou, Lou Reed's image imposed, which was imposed on top of that because it was like a dual projection image, yeah. you know? So, because, yeah, he's, he's actually hanging out upside down from like you could see his image like on the first pressings and the first generation you can see his arms here and this is his head also being and projected. he didn't want to be uh, assimilated with with the velvet underground well, it was he... basically they used his his image without his permission so he felt uncomfortable with that yeah he, or he yeah he made us think about it yeah. for whatever reason you know uh, I don't think I would care if that were me on a, the back cover of the <laughs> velvet underground's record but you know whatever that's that's his thing right but at the time maybe he didn't want to be associated with them possibly yeah. too but right either so way, he, he probably wanted some money for it as well it's something or whatever it's yeah. always something right yeah so um yeah so they um he the first pressing would would that would be clear you would clearly see him on the background so here. those have greater value the, oh yeah the, the ones that yeah, yeah have well yeah all of these first three generations seem to be within the same ballpark Obviously, it depends on the condition of the vinyl as well, like which this is not in great condition, and we'll go into more detail about that. But um, but it's in very good condition. I was very pleased with it. I was very surprised, and so I I, I don't know if you could tell how ex how excited I was when I found this in your stack. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> you you said you, it was one of the gold gems that uh, yeah, yeah you didn't yeah. expect to see. Yeah. And, and not just because of the monetary value, like the resale value. But just kind of rare. This album yeah. to me is is like just very important to my 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 personal my like my personal life and growing oh, okay. up. Oh okay. Like yeah. the Velvet Underground is one of my favorite bands of all time, and Lou Reed was one of my favorite artists and songwriters, and um, I've actually never listened to them on vinyl. And this record of all records was a great way to do that, and that's why I had put up a post on um, on social media of uh, this record and a bunch of other records that I had listened to, some from your collection and some from, from my collection, in one day. And I, I think I said that it, I had a very emotional day. Hmm. And it's, it's not because... I think some people mistook it as me saying, like, I was sad. Well, I was sad, but it was because of the music and it was good. It was a good, good sad feeling. Yeah, know? all right. Um, but it's because I had this and Randy Newman, Sail Away... And that, that Tom Waits uh, heart attack and vine that you had, and uh, Led Zeppelin two, so all the emotions. It was emotional. Yeah. Because those fucking yeah. Records. Well, music can do that because whatever memories that you have chalked up, yeah. to, You know your experiences listening to music. Right. Or just the way it makes you feel. So like, because the first time I ever heard this record and any of these songs by this band, obviously it was like mind blowing, as it is for most young musicians. You know. Um. Which is why they are considered to be one of the most influential rock yeah, bands. I don't know how I time. felt at the time when I first heard it, because you know I heard it back uh, in the seventies. I'd say it was seventy-five. It's first time, first time you heard the Velvet Underground. It was around. Yeah, I, I was introduced to it uh, to a couple of people, acquaintances, some musical friends of mine, and uh, I think one of them actually, uh, Robert Lehman. He, he was inspired to play the viola, I believe, because of this record. Really? I think, uh, I think he, he, he took up the viola. Um, uh, 
it just seems in retrospect when I was listening to, to it today, um, it was two very, very good um, artists in high school, Robert Lehman and Steve Cornell. And, and they started a band. And, uh, and I ended up playing the saxophone in a couple of the mm-hmm. Rolling Stones songs that they did. But I remember going over to, to their house, to Steve's house, and him playing this record, and and it just opened my eyes because you know to hear of you know I was been a classically trained violinist from uh, when I was quite very young, and the, but then hearing a viola played you know electric and you know through distortion sort of like effects yeah so that was like oh cool and it, it, it kind of made me think well I can do that you know. <laughs> Yeah, and so I, I think it opened the door for me to, yeah. to pursue. Um, I think that's what more. everyone said when they listened to this band. They yeah, say, well, I, I can do that. Yeah, I can sing like well, that. I'm, yeah, I don't have to be a good singer. I, I, yeah, well, you know, supposedly like, um, <laughs> a quote from Eno, uh, Brian Eno. Uh-huh. He said that well, when this uh, record first came out, there was um, I believe it was like thirty thousand copies sold originally. Okay, from sixty. 67, 68, uh, that period. That first pressing, I guess, is what it was. And uh, and he said that of the 30,000 people that bought the record, he, he feels that those 30,000 people all started bands. I oh, mean, yeah. whether they all did or not, I, you know, yeah. I don't know. But, but clearly, in my experience, I think that's plausible that a good number of them did. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just look at just look at uh, any interview by any band after this point. And, you know, if you have any kind of in-depth interview with them, whether where you ask them, hey, you know, what are your influences? What made you want to play rock music? It's usually rock and rollers. Uh, the, most of them would probably yeah, so that, that, list them somewhere. It makes it a very monumental yeah, uh, endeavor. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and it's ra- ranked number 13. On what? On the Rolling Stone. Album. Of all time of greatest all time records, greatest records, I believe. Yeah. I would believe that, yeah, yeah, for sure. And and at the time, it was not the mainstream at all. It, no, it, it didn't reach above one eighty two on the Billboard. Yeah, which those numbers are confusing to me. Like I, I really, yeah, like, I don't know what they mean exactly myself. I'm just yeah. saying that as far as mainstream music yeah. goes, it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't on the it. radar. It was, no, it took a while. It was a slow, no, and, slow and, burn. And it was all. It was. Pr- it wasn't promoted heavily, I think, because it was... Well, I think radio stations probably were reluctant to play a lot of the songs because right. the, the the drug references and the sexual references oh, yeah. that, that, it, that it had. It's very, very uh, blunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah and Blue especially Reed's the lyrics. heroin song I've always with, been with like that. Lou Reed, um, you know, talking about doing heroin on the, you know, the first person. Is that what it's about? <laughs> I totally r- r- read into that the wrong way. No, but I, yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I think the Stones had probably done what sister morphine and different things. I don't know. Oh yeah, that morphine. This was a, different. Uh, a more reputable drug. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they use it. They use it in hospitals. How bad can it be? You know, heroin. They never give you. Well, they give you the oxycodone now, but they wouldn't blatantly say. Yeah, I think you should t- start heroin. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I can prescribe you some of that. Yeah. So anyway, it was just not something that, you know, 
caught on. They'd want it to air on the right, radio. Right. People weren't ready for that. No, Not. no, no. Yeah, but it just happens sometimes. I mean, I think that I would assume that Lou Reed was fine with that. I mean, because he eventually got that credit, and, and more so than well, I think he probably I, ever I wanted. I think if anything propelled the record or the music beyond what it was originally, I think it's where Lou Reed went. I mean, of all the musicians involved in that record, Lou Reed was the one that actually, you know, and he almost got, he, well, he did, he, he wrote hits that were, oh, yeah. were, were aired, and, yeah. and he, he received, I'm just saying, I think his attention, people, because he was so successful, I think it magnified the Velvet Underground yeah. from what he evolved into. Yeah, yeah, and and clearly his input on the record. He, he well, he wrote. Uh, I don't. I noticed. I would say that he. He wrote all the songs. Yeah. And so, and maybe, majority of the songs he alone wrote. He you wrote the words, and there was only three songs that were looked like collaboration with. Like collaborating wise. with John Cale, yeah, yeah. But and, but instrumentation know. wise, he didn't really write all the instrumentation. Oh no, no, he wrote the words. The band he 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 was brought He was in. a poet. He wrote the words, right? And he and, played and it on he, guitar. He, he played guitar, so he, he figured he, out the chord structure right. of it. So he, but he, the main idea of the song, yeah, was yeah. No, I mean, I am very aware of his like work. I mean, I, I followed him into his solo career, like well into that as well. Um. You know, yeah, he's 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 the songwriter. That's what he's always been. You know, that's what he's known for. Right. And he's not the most talented instrumentalist in the world either. But he's yeah. just he's just got a, a his his a knack. the words. His, he's, he's an amazing poet, and yeah. uh, and just you can identify with his words. Uh, right. He, he, you know, he, he we miss him. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly do. I mean, he's someone I wish I, I got to see, and unfortunately, I never never took it took the opportunity when yes, I had. Yes, I was I was fortunate enough to see him at the uh, Vets uh, Auditorium in Providence. Oh yeah, and uh, it was a, after he released the New York New York album. Like right after he released it? Yes. Okay. Yes, he, so, so he was eighty something, eighty six. No, I'm not. Somewhere no, no, there. no, it was later than that. It was in the 90s. Was it? That, when New York, New York came one out? One of his later, later okay. works. But anyway, and, uh, to, to see that, uh, and it was just him, and he had a music stand in front of him, and he, and he just did the, the, album, the New York record in its entirety. Yeah. From beginning to end, and then he plays some hits at the end. Huh. A lot of the people were... Trying to get him to play some of his, uh, his, you know, his, his walk on the wild side or something. His bigger, you know, his bigger, but he was like, songs. he was, he said, you know, I told you I'm doing the record from the beginning <laughs> to end, and this is what I'm doing. So, <laughs> but anyway, he, but it was, I was, it was a great experience to have to have seen him. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, I would have liked to seen him in a full band, also. Setting, yeah, but. Uh, you know, have you ever listened to any of his live records? Like any of the live records he put out? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Are you a fan of any of them? I have. I, I. I have. Well, you haven't got into the garage where all my records are, but I must we, have fifteen or twenty 
Lurine records. So. But live records, specifically. I'm not certain if I've got live ones yeah. or not. But well, because I've listened to, to his I've, live I've, recordings. I've got some DVDs of his. Oh, okay. And yeah. So I'm, I am familiar with, with, with some of his live stuff. Yeah. Well, because that's but. the thing. Just like I, I've said it before that I'm just not a huge fan of live music in general. I just... It, I don't know. For me personally, I just don't really. I don't know. I don't. I don't relate to it, or I don't like the way that it sounds. Like, cause uh, well, there's I, certain live performers that capture their essence better than others. I think. Yeah, yeah, and Lou's not good but, at it. Like, cause I feel like I don't know if it was like kind of time wise because of like when these performances had been recorded. Like maybe they were. Uh, you know, late '80s, early '90s, somewhere around there, and it's just like maybe it was the um, maybe the quality of their instruments, and then the actual sound recording, because like this is like raw and down and dirty. Like this is a very low budget, lo-fi recording, yeah. and I love that. You know, and I and I and I don't know. Even as other studio records, I mean, like they they had a much more produced quality to them. Um. But they were still good. I just I like the studio setting. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know why. Maybe well, it's because I, yeah. you can you can really kind of like see what they were going for as far as like you know building up that piece. You know, with any kind of like backtracking, layering. Um, sometimes it's just a band in a room, and you can tell that too. It's just like you know four mics, four instruments, or whatever it is, and a band just kind of working off of each other, and then you can feel that in a recording as well. Um, yeah, live records just like sometimes they sound sloppy, especially Lou Reed. Like Lou Reed sounds sloppy when yeah. he played. I mean, and I think that's because he was kind of, he was a loose player. He didn't he didn't have to be one of those like really tight guys, because um, I don't know his 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 songwriting style alone. It was like it was very some of it could be spontaneous live, you know, kind of like go off. It could could be a little jammy even. You know how he like jam on some of his some of his songs that. Like Sweet Jane or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, yeah. all right, no, I really like the verse, chorus, verse right. aspect and, and of this. Right, and kind of in his just rambling yeah. guitar solos that just kind of don't make a lot of musical sense. Yeah, but, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that live music is, 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 is not always the best representation of what the musician actually right. sounds like. Or yeah. Be, because in a, in, a, in a recording, they can use a lot more experienced players. They right. can have a bigger group. And then mm-hmm. when you get into a live setting, then they're left to their, basically their essence. Right, right. And, and you're used to hearing everything nice nice the drums and the right. bass and, and everything good mix. just right there and and that's and, a good and, point and the live, that you they're mentioned. not then, you know they're not worried about that you're just there to hear Lou Reed sing his poems and you know I'm sorry it's not sounding like the record but it's, yeah. it's still him well, well he didn't give a fuck that's no, that was the thing no no he was not the type of person to care about anything that the audience thought of him whether they loved him or not whether you know he was making a lot of money or not it was just it was always going to be that it was always going to be like I'm going to play this the way I want to play it Right. If you don't want to listen, right. to listen. He wasn't playing to to to, to get a, a a chart busting hit. Right, his music, you know, some of it fell in the lap, and I I probably later on in his career he probably wrote things he thought maybe would be popular, but I don't think he sat down and said I'm going to write a hit now. Right, it just happened to. No, no, I think he was. More I mean, love you, Suzanne. What didn't that receive some success? 
lovely Suzanne. I love you, Suzanne. I love you, Suzanne. Off of uh, or my red joystick that off new sensations. Record. Oh, okay. I think there was a hit on that that, that, that had some radio play, but yeah. it was not a typical Lou Reed situation. Right. right. Yeah. Of course, Transformer had pretty good success. That had pretty good. I success, think the world yeah. at that time was ready to hear about saying transvestites and. Like. Yeah, yeah, they were much more open to it at that point. Yeah, plus Bowie thing. I think I'm yeah, assuming so he was at that in time. It was period. like it's, it's uh, you know, we've been there. It's not yeah. new. It's <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, um, they opened up the gates for a lot of that man. You know, it was just like people started to, um, what's the word for that? They uh, kind of transgressed. They became more free. To, uh, it was past the hippie movement. It was past hippies, right? It was. Uh, so it wasn't quite... Well, this was like the, the, the kind of... It was punk rock in this. This was kind of like a beginning Just, of punk rock. Yeah. Right? It was, so, so it's somewhere it was right in the middle between... Right in, like right in the, the mix of that. Whole, yeah. whole, the end of the hippie era and then the but this album, rolling in know, the punks. It's not like Sex, picks, sex no. Pistols where it's you know in your face. Mm. But it's, it's cutting edge yeah. in its well, own right. So. It's, it's punk rock in, in the respect that um, I think I kind of famously heard uh, Kurt Cobain of uh, Nirvana talk about it, saying, "You know, punk is more of a state of mind. It's not about you know what kind of clothes you're wearing, and you know if you're playing these like bar chords on the guitar. It's just more of your attitude. You just need yeah. to have so a that, punk then attitude. He had that attitude. Oh, right. for sure. Yes. All of these guys. I mean, Andy Warhol and yeah. uh, John Cale, Maureen Tucker, even Nico, as beautiful as she was. Right. I mean." She obviously had that kind of fuck you mentality to some degree. Oh, yeah. She 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 thought the world of Lou Reed, that's for sure. Yeah. I'm not, I, I don't know anything about the relationships or anything like that. I didn't get too into them as far as like learning the history. I mean, I listened to the music. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, there's so much shit that went on with musicians and all of the musicians that there have been and all of these decades long of it. I don't really get into all that stuff. Yeah. It's just that, like, this record basically came about because of Andy Warhol. Right. Certainly. He financed it. Yeah, he and, produced it, didn't he? Well, they say he produced it, and he, he's, he's, he's... However, he didn't really have the role of a producer. In other words, he didn't have any hands-on as far as the production goes. He, okay. he was yeah. there. Lou Reed put it... He was like the umbrella. He, mm -hmm. he was there... He was, you know, he was there during the recordings, and um, you know, I'm I'm not saying he wouldn't offer his expertise, but yeah, he was just there as an observer and making sure everything went smoothly. Well, he wasn't uh, he wasn't a musician; he was an artist, right? And and the, and and from what I've read is that this group uh, with Nico, the Velvet Underground, was. Uh, Basically, it was it was Andy Warhol's kind of uh, conception. Uh, it was uh, Andy Warhol's exploding plastic inevitable inevitable tour. Okay. And this group perf performed in this on this tour, and then and then. Uh, 
from there he kind of got into the idea of like hey listen i really love what you guys are doing so it was all they were all together in that tour and then so andy warhol wanted to um to take the uh the time to uh to work with them to, and kind of like get them to get right, in the so studio. He, he financed it. Yeah, because you need money for all that. Go so into he, the studio. It, at the time, it was between fifteen hundred and three thousand dollars. But the budget for recording? That's that's what Andy Warhol. That's the yes, that's what he spent for this record. Yeah, fifteen hundred three thousand, and like that would be by today's standard, that would be more like probably in the twenties, 20, yeah, maybe but, somewhere around there. I mean, recording but which these you still days, would be would if you could do an album for twenty thousand now, that'd probably be that'd be a, a, a bargain. It wouldn't be, yeah. That wouldn't if that it wouldn't were to be, become be a, a massive success. Yeah. If if you spent twenty thousand dollars on making a record, and it was a massive success, even on uh, on a um, you know kind of uh, a uh, sleeper um, kind of method, like you know if it kind of slowly gained popularity. Um, it'd still be worth it, you know. I mean, you can yeah, sell so records for a lot these days, and so what the the independent standard. I think this is what I heard back a few years ago was that if you're an independent musician and you're on an independent label, or you're even yourself produced, let's just say, um, if you were to sell fifty thousand units of whatever you know, whatever you're okay. you were doing, um. That would be considered indie gold, like because that would be you would be at a level where you're making money, you're making money off the record, and your label's making money off of you as well. So like everybody's happy, you know. Okay, and yet they sold thirty thousand. But but they, but they that sold was that thirty thousand in the '60s, which at that point in in time. Uh, I mean, for for the idea of, of major record label success, which I don't know if I would have considered Verve to be a major record label at that time, but they were definitely... No, Verve was... Well, they were, they were probably the, the label for jazz, certainly. Right. And they were definitely known for that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so for them to put out a, a rock record, I mean, I don't know what their numbers used to be like, but, I mean, I mean if you think about the Beatles... Right, millions. Okay, so right. now the record labels see okay, bands have potential to sell millions internationally, so let's focus on that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which right. this didn't do. No, no, no. It, it does now. Now everyone all over the world knows it. But so. yeah, it was recorded in '66, four days in uh, in April 1966, and. They had, I don't know, I guess 10 cuts originally. And then they added added the Sunday morning track in November because they wanted another song for Nico to sing. Okay. That's what what Tom Wilson... Basically, Lou Reed and John Cale both said that Tom Wilson more or less, was the producer for the album. He was the actual, like, inspiration in the studio type thing. Yeah, he was... Whereas Andy he was Warhol the one that went to, money. to Electra and went to Atlantic and went to MGM. He shopped and, it. And went, yeah. He was looking for, the, the looking for the deal, and, yeah. 
But was he in the studio too, from what you uh, learned, from what you were reading? He was involved in it. Yeah, in the studio, like kind of like working with the band on the songs. Okay, yeah, I would consider that more producer for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, certainly more than than than. Um, and and like, I, like I say, I've quoted, I've read that Lou Reed and John Cale, they would say that they would call him the producer. Yeah. That's cool. You, uh, you definitely have learned a lot more than I did. I mean, I, I don't, like I said, I don't get too into, I, I love, I appreciate looking at the record. You know, there's inf that information in there. I haven't memorized it, but I did look through the, the gatefold of this record because obviously all the information is there, at least, you know. Yeah. Um, but this looks great, by the way, like inside this gatefold. I mean, I understand that the edges are a little beat up, you know, a little well, for the worn. most part, it's, it's not bad. Yeah. No, actually, yeah. um, not even any, any splits. Well, it's kind of splitting up here, up in the top. Um, but it's not like a bad split, like where the record's going to come through, but, but either like, way, yeah. this is, this is one of the better copies I've actually seen of this. From my, and I would my imagine short. the majority of them would have the, the peel, would have been peeled. Yeah, I've definitely seen some that have been completely peeled. This has uh, kind of been yeah, a little bit yeah. compromised. This isn't actually a peel. It's just that the, it's been worn away or torn away a little yeah. bit. Uh, then the, the end here has been torn away a little bit. I can almost see that little pinky flesh <laughs> underneath there. It's almost taunting me. It's almost like <laughs> it's like it's hiking its skirt up on me. <laughs> and so, it, it, it seems like the record is... is is, is in fairly good shape. I had to listen to this. I had to listen to it just out of my own, for, in my own sake. Like, the, I, obviously, I put it on for quality control. Yeah. I've I listened to it today, not the record, but the, you know, the the MP3 and whatever. And oh yeah, yeah. You didn't listen to this record, but you were listening to it to, earlier. To the songs. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it's it, monumental. It's just yeah. But it, it and, was, and it's, you know, it's referenced. The Venus and Furs was actually used in um, in the Rob Zombie movie Lords of Salem. Oh, it was. Well, that's a very famous song now, anyway. Oh, and Venus and Furs, not really so much, but no. Um, but it it, it, it it had its place in that movie. Yeah, well, he's but definitely the, the band and Lou Reed and his legacy and all his his entire catalog, obviously, is a lot more commonplace these days. Um, you know, anyone using any of his songs in the 60s would probably be much more of an obscure kind of artsy film or something like that and not really make any mainstream success out of it. So uh, let's listen to this thing. Yes. Because I'm going to tell you, I think it sounds great. Like, no, no problems with it for sure. There was no skipping. There was no scratches in it. Um, no popping. It might have been a little popping, a little bit, a little crackly. That's it. Uh, where's my brush? I had a brush. There it is. Just in case. I, I did clean it already, but I figure why not? Let's just give a little brush before we play it. And uh, cheers, buddy. Thank you for oh, yes. coming by and... Well, thanks for thanks letting for me go through me. your records. Yeah. I appreciate it. You got a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And my girlfriend will appreciate me getting the stuff out of the house. 
I understand that, <laughs> but I do feel a little bad about it. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a little crackle, but... is just completely uh, indistinguishable. I mean, or, or distinguishable by that characteristic, just like the way it sounds. That's so guttural. It's great. So I got to tell you, I, I didn't plan for you to not speak during that song. It, did you not speak because you because you were you know you thought about the show and you wanted the music to play or that it did did it just stop you in your tracks? Yeah, I'm, I don't want to give the song its time without yeah. interruption. Yeah, yeah. We've been talking over the music, though I'm not crazy about it. I I mean, but it, it's tough to kind of just sit here for minutes and not say anything. <laughs> well, this I would do it. I would just sit here and just listen to this. Oh, yeah. But for the sake of the audience, maybe not. I mean, maybe they want to just listen to this and tell us to shut the fuck up. But, but we're doing the show. So. Now, this, this song is being recorded by Lou Reed. 
studio recording? Yes, I believe it's on solo stuff. He did different renditions. Waiting for the man is waiting for the drug deal. The pusher man. Oh, I know, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, man. I'm not. I was joking about the heroin thing earlier. <laughs> I, uh, I I know what heroin is. It's like Wonder Woman. A heroin. It's a female exactly. superhero. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you cook it up, you shoot it right in your eyes. <laughs> and that's the best way to take it. Um, no, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe the first time I heard this song, I didn't understand that's necessarily what he meant. I think as a young kid, you don't necessarily get it. Unless you're well, a very experienced I, When I heard it, kid. I thought he was waiting for his man lover. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the way I took it at first. Which because wouldn't have been out of, you know, out of character. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I don't know what sexual preferences were. But, but he wasn't by, he by, shy by, away from a handsome man. But he's, he's saying... <laughs> What she meant was, as far as a, a good singer, like a, a professional, an accomplished instrumentalist, perhaps, and, and, and someone that had a, a really beautiful pipes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he wasn't the, the you know, pristine a couple, a couple version. Of, couple of attributes that you know, she clearly was a, a, a very good guitar player. And, yes, you know, and her voice was. But she Bob Dylan is Bob Dylan. Angelic so. voice, you know. Bob Dylan's a little yeah, bit more. Here we go with Nico. Yeah, this is good. Singing it. 
just the Andy Warhol's whole factory of workers or whatever, acquaintances. Mm-hmm. And it supposedly was his observations of the different people, different talented um, artists that were associated with Andy Warhol. And, and not any one specific and, woman. And, and also, it was. Uh, That sounds right. Yeah. So she was basically the inspiration for Femme Fatale, you think? Yeah. Yeah. She was beautiful. And I can imagine those, like, crazy, artsy, hipster scenes. You know, like... It was very hippie-like, you know? The whole, I don't know, free-love-ish type aspect. Lots of drugs floating around, lots of drinking. Um... Digging, but, but digging the art, man. All the art. I mean, being in Andy Warhol's factory. But the people had, had, had a lot to say. You know, they yeah. were intelligent yeah. people. But, uh, intelligent, artsy, yes. Intelligent because they're most likely educated people. You know, some college well, kids. I think they were respectful of each other. Yeah, in, yeah. In that, in that sense, I think that's what Lou Reed. Oh yeah, yeah. I was looking at how somewhat of a commune. Hmm. I don't know. I can't help but to to kind of uh, make the comparison of like what this scene sounded like to me to like like the RISD college community around here because I had been in that for a little while. Like I kind of you know I met some RISD students and all that stuff and hung out circles a little bit, going out to some parties and stuff like that. It's like, you know, it's kind of that, you know, you got the, the artsy musician types, and then you have the artsy visual artist types, the painters, and the designers, and all that stuff. And it's very, um, very flamboyant, you know, very kind of like, like a, like a stripped-down elegant, you know, like a hoity-toity almost uh, air about it. But, like, you know, poor, slumming it kids, you know, like, slumming, like, in, for these people, it was, like, slumming it in New York City, when, like, New York was an absolute disaster and dumb. I gotta stop saying that. I feel like I sound like the president. <laughs> it's really scary. You just can't use that word anymore. It's just, it's just black light now. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he's just... 
makes an eerie sound. And you can see how it does. Right. It's almost satanic. Yeah. It's got this weird ritualistic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. This is definitely a creepy song. I'm not a fan of this song. Like, I mean, I, I, I like it. I can listen to it. Yeah. Definitely not one of my favorites. Seven. But uh, Seven. He, he would do that. So Lou Reed had that ability to, like, yeah. kind of throw these songs in. Yeah, and get you a song and you know, it's, when someone just hook you right in. It's good. It has its quality. It's just like it's one of those things that you don't necessarily want to hear all the time. No, right. Yeah. I, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. But it, it, it's nice to listen to. It. It's such a power. Run, 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 run. 
tempo to it which is kind of why I think I was making that reference that I didn't really like Lou Reed's live performances because even if he was playing a song like Heroin which that song recorded is all about the emotion that it that it generates you know because the songs build up and letdowns kind of specifically gearing towards his lyrics of like describing his high you know, like he shoots it, and all of a sudden he's like rushing, and he's he's got you got that heartbeat, and it just kind of starts going double time. You know, and, but then it comes back down, and then everyone's just like, okay, back to back to normal life. You know, and I remember seeing him perform that live just acoustically, 
and he's just kind of acoustically, obviously, you already have you're, you're already working like kind of against you for that song, but um, but it was just kind of like loose, and like he was loose with his lyrics too. It wasn't always the same exact words. It was like he just said what he wanted to say, how he had, how it came to mind. It didn't necessarily have to come go in the same exact order as you hear in the recording. It had memorized. So, um, I don't know, that's why I never really liked Yeah, live. I think, yeah, yeah, but you're accustomed to hearing it a certain way. Right. And when you hear it, you want to, kind of want to hear it that way. Yeah, yeah. It's the studio release of it, you know. Yeah, and the experience of being there and seeing him play it, I would not give it up for a minute. Right. I mean, I would go. I mean, if I could now... Knowing he's gone, obviously, like knowing I've missed my opportunity, I mean, I wish I had gone. Um, because he's definitely someone I wanted to see, you know, and he was kind of on my list of like, okay, I gotta see this guy before he goes. And I just never got there. It's not good regardless. No. no matter what the circumstance, ripping a child away from its parent is cruel and it's horrible. And it's, a, it's a very unbearable thing to hear. Um, but in that circumstance, in that song, it's more or less because the woman is not fit to be a woman. Yeah. To be a, a mother, I'm sorry, I should say. Oh, um, I got a, addiction. A, tr- a drug addiction and, you know, she's uh, a floozy. She's like, I don't right. know if, it, if he kind of depicts it as right. her being her job. You so know, it's being society, a, it's a responsible thing to get them in a proper home. And yet, it's still... Well, you can't have a, ch- a child growing up in that environment of a woman having a John come in and out of the house all the time, causing problems, disruption, like, you know, probably any kind of amount of drugs and, and you know, um, 
drinking going on, um, her own personal drug use and, and drinking. Like, yeah, it's not good. Can't do it. It starts off nice. The song starts off nice. I mean, you can tell that it's dark. <laughs> yeah. But you're not expecting for that uh, that turn in the song. It's just like, oh my god, okay. It just kind of like wakes you up and it's just like, holy shit. <laughs> So he's singing about things that are real and are, are not nice subjects, you know. Not always. I mean, sometimes they're no. good subjects. Yeah, no, they're, I'm, not, they're I'm just saying they're awkward, right? Yeah, so. yeah, like uh, in a, as a societal norm, not necessarily there. Doesn't mean it's bad. No, I mean, I think it's an awakening for me. Right, right. Just like Walk on the Wild Side, you know, it's just like telling the story about, uh, what's his name, Johnny? Taking the bus down to Miami and shaving his legs. No, he is a she. Yeah, man. It's like, okay, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, yeah. You can do that. <laughs> End of side one. All right. We just uh we just plowed right through it, man. We didn't take any breaks in between songs. No. It's all right. Okay. Sorry. Right. We talked we talked over some of the songs, which yeah, it's just it's a it's a it's a classic album of 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 cl- of classic albums. It's a classic album. It's I yeah, think. It's, yeah. Uh, it's very inspirational. It's very it's, uh, moving, and it's certainly historic. Mm. In, in the musical sense of, of the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a little. Uh, I think the next song. I think when I put it on side two, that starts starts off with heroin. Yes. I think that one kind of fucked me up. Like, luckily, by the time we were listening to this during dinner, we just basically got through the first half. So second half, I went in, flipped it, oh, put on it, the first it song. Oh, kind of pulled on your heartstrings a little bit. Because I was just the sitting others. there right in front of the speakers, just kind of taking it in. Yeah. And I mean, that song has always done it for me, but to hear it on the vinyl for the first time, I was just like, holy shit. This is like taking me to a place that yeah. I'm not really sure I'm yeah, ready that's, for. That's interesting. <laughs> I have never had an epiphany with a record. Uh, not like but a major again, I grew, one? But, yeah. but I think your experience with records might be a little different than mine. I think I probably took records for granted, and that was my that was my way of listening to music from the beginning. Yeah. But you have a pretty extensive so, uh, collection. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not saying that I couldn't put certain records on that, that would stir emotions. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that... Uh, I guess what it is, it's... it's, it's you're, you, well, it'd probably be like me open a pack of, of cards and, and finding a Mickey Mantle card <laughs> in there or something, you know? It's like... Yeah. You know... My sentimental attachment to this record, you mean? Yeah, it, well, it's it's something like wow, I, I like you said, you've never experienced it on vinyl, right? Uh, yeah, and so that that's something that's something special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so, especially being such a rare pressing. I mean, you know, sound quality wise, I'm not floored by it. Um, this is a great copy. I think it does sound really good. There is some crackle to it. Um, it is a, a, just an old copy record, you know? I mean, like, 
it's it happens with records. Yeah. As a matter of fact, let me ask you this real quick, just because it's coming into my mind. So my wife was listening to System Records with me. You know, she was like overhearing what I was listening to because I have stuff going all the time. And I was like saying something to her about how oh I gotta like I was putting up a listing and it was like I gotta I mentioned something about the the, the quality of the sound and she's just like what are you talking about she says it sounds sound perfect I was like well, yeah the playback was good but it was a little crackly she was like don't doesn't isn't that why people listen to records don't they want to hear crackle like isn't it just kind of like synonymous mm, with putting yeah. a record on you yeah. you hear crackle yeah and it's true you do hear crackle especially like when you Put the needle between on. songs a little bit, right? Yeah, and at the very beginning, like as it's running, it, it doesn't into... distract from the music, but it's there. It's just yeah, so, yeah, right, yeah, right. I mean, and I, and I had never thought about it like that because I was listening to the records and I was just like, "This sounds great. Okay, sounds great. Let's move on to the next one. Sounds great. Okay, let's move on to the next one." You know, like unless it was like a significant pop or a skip, you know, yeah, or, right. Or, so or it, a repeat. it distracts from from what. From the from the music, right, yeah. right. The, like that would obviously be a problem. Crackle, yeah, crackle. I don't mind. No, I mean, no. You're gonna get crackle if you're just getting dust on the needle, probably, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I try to do a really good job cleaning these. And, yeah, and like I mentioned before, I use the, I do the wet listen at first. So sometimes I don't even kind of pick up on on that crackle because that will eliminate most of it, at least while you're listening to it. Then. By the time you dry it off, you know, like get the the alcohol off of it and let it dry, and now listen to it dry like this. Um, it's a little more pronounced, but it may have been even more pronounced had I not done the wet listen, right? Because at least it did some of that really kind of deep cleaning. So but, you, uh, you so you were talking about how when you when you when you played the record, you know, the heroin in particular that you you. It touched you in a way that was like, well, you know, I'm listening to this and it's, you know, the experience and taking it all in. It hit me. And uh, I guess I could say that maybe I had a, a there was a rec, uh, a cassette that I had as a kid. It was a Harold Land, um, New Shade of Blue. Harold Land? Harold Land, a, a tenor sax player. And, okay. And I had a cassette of his, I used to play it all the time. And, uh, and then I, I finally I found it on, on record. Oh yeah. And I and I, I guess that music had a special place because I'm very fond of it. And, mm-hmm. and when so I guess when I played that record, or like Brecker Brothers, their first record. Yeah. You know something like that, and I'm so, now now I've got the vinyl. You know the first time I've had it. Mm-hmm. And, and you listen to it, and then yeah. I, so I, I, I don't, I'm not saying it's the exact same experience, but it's it's a similar yeah. thing that you're just like you're, you're, you're it's kind of like outer body exp- experience a little bit, yeah. In the sense yeah. that you're just so just, taken with it, it just you, gives you the feels, you know, yeah. whatever feel it's going to be. Like um, so that those artists you were just mentioning are they more jazz like musicians? Right? Yeah, yeah, Harold Land and the Brecker Brothers would okay. be jazz. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So. My experience with jazz is that, uh, yeah, it can definitely have the same type of effect. I mean, all music can have the same type of effect. Um, all the different styles, like the, all the different bands play in all these different styles. They have all these, like, you know, different kind of like um, 
abilities and and sensibilities like what they're what they're kind of putting across like you know you said jazz jazz is is a very wide genre you know like there's there's that yeah, and then there's gyra jazz but then there's there's Coltrane miles davis jazz, jazz there's, there's coltrane jazz yeah like stuff that's Rush on roland kirk like yeah like you're you know your jazz a lot better jazz, than i do right <laughs> but there, there are so many different types of feels for for those within that one genre um so i don't know i mean the, like I can see where if you're listening to more jazz, maybe you wouldn't get that same feel. Like I've always been a rock and roll guy. Yeah, well, it's, I, yeah, it's, I, I, lo- it's, it's I like where jazz. Your, your roots are certainly, and what yeah, or what what you what you grew up grow up listening to, perhaps yeah, or whatever your musical experience has taken you right. And if something you know that you enjoyed twenty years ago, right, and then all of a sudden. You get reunited with it. it mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a special moment, kind of. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like certain songs, like uh, like even like I was mentioning Randy Newman earlier. Do you like Randy Newman? Oh yes. Yeah. So I got the say uh, the copy of Sail Away. Do you know that record? Uh, mm, what does the cover look like? Uh, just close up of his face while he's at the at the piano playing. It's just him with sunglasses and big afroy hair. Okay. okay. Not yeah. so much that album, but yeah, no, but it's a fucking, it's a motherfucker. Well, he's good. He he's he, good. He's a, a tremendous songwriter. Yeah, and, yeah. and the emotion that he right conveys is, is yeah. and he has a wide spectrum very, too. Very talented guy. The, the, yeah. way, the, the way his songs are produced and yeah, I think he's right. So he's got like some of his more lighthearted, kind of like friendly, kind of jolly music, like. uh Shit, what's the name of it now? The, the, the Dancing Bear. I forget the name of the, the, the Dancing Bear, but that's part of the title. Yeah. Um, it's That's on that record. And then there's songs like um, Old Man and what, what song? What are the songs on? God is on that, I think. Really, like, depressing songs. And yeah. yeah, he's a very emotional yeah. Singer. Yeah, but though, but the, like that record in particular, like really hurts me. Like to put that on, I'm just like, I, I honestly don't think I've ever gotten through listening to that song, "Old Man," without like crying. Like especially if I'm trying yeah, to sing yeah. along with I it. Think some Joni Mitchell songs do that to me. Like yeah, I can blue, see Joni. The blue album, or right? Ladies of the Canyon, some yeah. songs there. Oh yeah, she's got some beautiful yeah. like somber ones. Um, I'm a sucker for a sad song. That's that's all there is to it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Randy Newman. Yeah. Very emotional. Yeah. 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 That record especially. You'll have to. I'll have to like get you a copy of it or something so you can listen to it and just kind of see sail, what I, see what away. I mean. Sail yeah, away. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. But I'd, yeah, I'm very fond of Randy. Newman. I'll have to go through your collection. Maybe I'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> It'll probably be in there uh, somewhere. Possibly. But, yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, before we get to side two, let me just say that I'm really looking forward to curating your collection. Uh, it's real. It's uh, so much good stuff. Uh, first of all, this is going to go live, and I'm assuming at auction when this video premieres. So when this video is on, and if you're seeing it and you're hearing the audio, if you're hearing the show, this record is going to be available. I'm going to link it, and I'm going to link it directly to you, to your website, not my store. So it'll go to you. And um, we'll start the auction somewhere. I don't know where yet. And we'll just see where it goes. Yeah. 
Um, but as for everything else, so much good fucking shit. Uh, one crate that I have here is mostly all sealed records. It's mostly all new records. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff like record store day stuff, but, uh, excellent, excellent stuff. Um, craft work, uh, computer world. You got two copies of that. You have one in a blue vinyl and one I believe is in a clear vinyl. And, uh, they're, they're weird. Like, um, I thought one was, might've been a green vinyl, but, uh, yeah, one has a blue sticker on it. Okay. And it's definitely a blue vinyl. Uh, and then the other, I think there were, there was two other different pressings. There was a clear and there was a green. Yeah. But I don't know which that is because it's not labeled. doesn't have a green sticker on it. doesn't have a clear sticker on it or a white okay. sticker. Um, so it's one of the two. Yeah. But you also have the, the Man Machine by Kraftwerk, which is sealed in there. Uh, you've got some Snake Finger live in Melbourne, uh, double reissue, double disc. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was only, yeah. it's actually limited uh, pressing. It was like 300 copies. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I did the research. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know um, it was a, a, yeah, a friend of mine introduced me to the residents, and we oh. actually saw the residents. You did in Boston. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, who, when you see in the residents, who are you seeing, right? But you know, you don't know. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was thinking but. about them because I was listening to a podcast about them recently, and uh, and I was it reminded me of the fact that they were anonymous. They're an anonymous band, and obviously, with being an, uh, with anonymity, you obviously have to conceal yourself. So I'm like, okay, I've never seen them perform, but I'm assuming they're performing in some type of disguise, maybe the eyeball head or whatever. Yeah, he had an old man's mask on. Yeah, the lead singer. And so, so I was just yeah. like, so what doesn't what makes these guys any different than the Blue Man Group? The Blue Man Group isn't the original members anymore. Now they've actually franchised where there's multiple Blue Men Group. Yeah, I think it's a little different, though. I think the residents... No, I'm not, but I, what I I'm saying I, is you could swap you, those guys you out. You could, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be an ongoing yeah. thing. Like, residents could ne- will never die. Right, but the, of course the residents aren't performing as often as the Blue Man group. Right, is, right. But they could carry but, that torch But you're right, forever. as far as the original members, you know, I'm quite certain that when I saw them, the, 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 the singer with the, with the old man's mask on was an original Member, member, yeah. And as far as, but as far as all the others, um, you know, and you know. a lot of it is pre-programmed music. There might be a guitar player or something, right? But, uh, well, we have you have a lot of records that we're going to be listing as well, which included in that. I don't know if you realize this, but you have a copy of uh, Santa Dog, not the original copy. <laughs> no, don't wet your pants. Oh just yeah, yet. the original would be. Uh, Find. Yeah. Yeah, that would be an, an amazing find. But they, I guess they reissued Santa Dog. Um, with uh, so now the thing that you have is a little interesting because when they did they did a reissue of like their entire catalog basically, and it was uh, still Ralph Records that that did the reissue, and um, they reissue, reissued a residue of the residents, and so I guess they did a pre-order. Do you remember doing this? Do you remember ordering this like through the website directly or like through the the record label? Because it said that with a pre-order of the residue of the residents, you could also pre-order this whole bundle. You could order residue, Santa Dog, and it would include a limited edition numbered yeah twelve yeah, by twelve yeah, poster. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure what what site I was on. That, that, that yeah, that, and it also yeah. came with a with a promotional Ralph Records no I'm not sorry not Ralph Records because it was another company that reissued that one it was uh, Astral something 
I can't remember the company's name, but it was a promo poster of theirs, full-sized, like, Santa Dog poster with the catalog from that record label on the back. And it's all in perfect condition. Yeah, they're not opened. They're sealed. Both of those. <laughs> so I put them aside nicely in a little poly sleeve yeah, for you. Yeah, I think they came out, like, four or five years ago. Yeah, right. something like that. Yeah. It was it's a, it's a newer release. Yeah, it's a reissue, but um, but yeah, they're still sealed. So uh, we'll probably group that together. Probably sell it all as one bundle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So on with the show. Yes. We're gonna continue heroin. to heroin. <laughs> That's past the gateway, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. See where it leads up to. That side. Would you like a refresher? Thank you. 
when you were talking about when you sang the solo earlier. Sounding, so it's no, no, it's not pretty. But it's but it's real. It's good. I think I think that song is probably one of the best depictions through music of like drug use. Oh yeah. You know how like in movies they'll say like oh like that's a really good drug movie like that kind of really made well, you I think get the feel. Well, I read it from the personal experience. You know. Oh yeah. Oh no, yeah. You probably couldn't sing about it if you hadn't done it, really, to do it justice. But, but yes, he put it so eloquently. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, the whole band did it. Just yeah. Like they, they nailed that one. So this song, I know it was more of a compilation. Yeah. In other words, this wasn't necessarily. Yeah, this is more collaborative yeah. effort. Yeah. And they say that the guitar riff is taken from a Marvin Gaye song, Hitchhike. Oh. It's a very, like, simplistic, like, 60s rock song. Yeah. It seems like it, like it was... This could have been, like, a, a, a reach for, like, a pop song. Right. But Lou Reed wrote this song? I mean, they all wrote it, but... Well, I can't, I can't, I, I can't say that they all wrote it. But this is original but, to Love Underground. Yes. Because somebody else did this song, and I feel like it was around this era, and I can't remember who, but I feel like I've heard different recordings of this song. You know? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get into the details. I'm pretty sure that it wasn't. <laughs> Is that a major offense to a violin and viola player? That he's just playing the viola? No, that's a uh, to reference a violin um, as a viola and vice no. versa? No. Oh. Yeah, this is the weird song. That actually says in the liner notes that this is the Black Angel's death song. So he... So he John Cale is credited as a writer on this song. It says Lou Reed and John Cale. Yes, for this one. And, and he plays, well, he obviously plays the viola, but he yeah. also plays the bass. Oh, okay. And, and I read, because this Morrison, um, Sterling Morrison, guitar player, guitar player, but he played the bass on Venus and Furs, I guess, and he, he didn't like it. Want to do it. He didn't want to play the bass with this song. Oh, okay. Just, so that's why John Cale yeah. yeah. Sounds like a tough song to come up with a riff to. Well, maybe it was just too monotonous for him. I, you know, yeah, yeah. Perhaps. I, I'm a bass player. 
so like if you if you tell me like hey can you put a bass line to this i'm thinking about it now and like that sounds like it's gonna be a little difficult <laughs> sometimes you just hear it and you're like oh yeah i can just totally hear yeah, where that's gonna yeah, go yeah, yeah you're not holding it together you know you're no. just kind of like apart well because so you can float around in the background you know like just kind of do some scale work but you know, bass is usually very repetitive. You know, it's usually right. kind of it's based on the, in with notes. the with the drums and whatever right. just drives the band. But it's not the case in this. Or no. Most of these songs, because of this, like, what do you follow? Do you follow the guitar? Because if you are, you're playing two different notes. Something like that. Got the viola craziness going on there. Yeah. Of the so. for the loss of a with a tough song. Tough song to add instrumentation to. Probably why they're just so you can understand how, yeah, would yeah. be comfortable maybe for. Some, oh yeah. Especially if your your strong suit is the guitar and not the bass, because then you're like, oh, oh man, I just usually strum the, the chord. You know, this is like I gotta play notes to this thing, like. Might be weird. Oh, and this song, Kale described as they were just stringing words together by the mere sounds of the words. So it doesn't necessarily mean anything, the song. Yeah. By purpose, Sam surprise. <laughs> right. Luther is a crazy motherfucker, you know? to Sister Ray, which, oh. is a, which is a song off of White Like White Heat. Oh, okay. Your European son is gone. You better sit so long. Your clouds should be goodbye. That's a bad mix. Set, was it? She had a really weird, uncomfortable. 
conventional drum kit. Yeah. Um, I probably couldn't explain it right. I know I've seen it like in documentaries and stuff. Um, yeah, it was very strange. It was like mostly all upright, I guess. Like she didn't like sit behind a kit. It was like she like had her bass drum like um, you know propped up, so she would just play with like mallets. I think. Yeah, very very strange. Because that heroin song, she just seems to be playing a bass drum. Right, and it's not it's not being kicked. Right, it's you know all of a sudden like the Irish kind. Well, cause I think that she she's doing rolls. So, I mean, obviously she comes in and just hit it, hits it once when the song's first starting out. But then you can even hear, which I, I think is weird. It was very, it was a very loose recording, you know, where uh, when they're coming down off the, the buzz, it's it should be like a very cut and dry, like, you know, extreme to, to, uh, like a slowdown to like just a, just a quietness. And listening to it right now on the headphones in, in here, she's still kind of like she she hits it, she gets that first hit in, maybe even the second one. But then after that, she doesn't keep going with the single hitch. You can kind of hear her doubling up a little bit and like kind of just doing these like weird like off-tempo like light rolls. I think it's weird. Kind of, it kind of throws the song off a little bit. Right. She's not worried about driving the band with her beat. She's kind of like, yeah, just a, just a part of it. She she does drive the song because okay. her playing is like kind of di- directly correlates to the the rising and the falling of the song. Um, but when she falls off, it's not as like dry as I feel like it should be. I feel like she's still kind of kind of coloring it a little bit. A little bit, just like, like very sporadically, right. and very quietly, you know. Because then, when obviously, when the back to the build up, it gets more intense and more kind of like uh, consistent, more of like a kind of a steady roll than kind of flailing around a little bit here and there. You know? But uh, but yeah, she's definitely a unique player. Crazy. Like these more avant-garde groups, like. Source. Yeah. Redfern. Their drummer. Doesn't make the banging on metal pieces. Oh yeah. That's great. I love that. The um, who was telling me? I think it might have been my friend Frank, who was telling me about the uh, throwing muses from Providence. Throwing muses. I've never seen them play. I've never been a really big fan. I've heard about them. Or no, no, not throwing muses. Combustible Edison? Was it Combustible Edison or throwing muses? Oh, I'm not sure. I can't remember. It was one of those two. And I remember him saying something about how the drummer never played on cymbals. The drummer played on the kit, but he didn't have any cymbals. For the eyesores? No. Oh, no, just for, this, uh, for this Throwing muses or Combustible Edison. Oh, I can't remember okay. which one it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't... Possible that the ISO the guy didn't have you know, might not have symbols as well. Yeah. 
But I mean, as long as it's some sort of a percussive sound, it doesn't oh, yeah. have to be. That's why I, I like Tom Waits a lot. Like, it sounds like his drummers play on whatever. Maybe yeah. just a maybe just a drum or two, with like some kind of like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. A very some minimal, hubcap minimal or something. Sound. Yeah. Yeah. But when it gets the job done. Yeah. 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 Perfect. No, it has a very unique sound to it too. Yeah. You know, you can just kind of hear when someone's like hitting, you know, a metal sheet pan with like uh, with a grate on it, as opposed to like hitting a snare drum. Yeah. But that has its own it's special. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it just, it just makes you feel like you're watching Tom Waits in a junkyard, which is kind of like the persona he's got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very vaudevillian, very like yeah, you know, street singing next year, street or, performer yeah. kind of feel to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, the more production, the more separated you are from the music in some ways. Yeah. The more production you have, the more you're like just trying to be like a rock star, you know? Because then to reproduce that, it's like, well, I need the big stage, I need the big PA, I need the lights and all this stuff. I need to be, I need the monitors, I can hear myself. And this sing. is what a band it is typically does. But I need to stick with that tried and true. That's, that's, the, that's the typical thing for a band, yeah. I mean, like, you know, even even a local band playing out around here in a club, in a small club, it's just like, oh, well, we got the PA system, we got about eight channels, anywhere from eight to 24 to 36 maybe, if you've got a good system. You know, we mic up everything individually, you know, we do the sound check with you, you know, you kick, you know, let me check your kick drum, let me check your snare, let me check your hi-hat, okay, let me check your, you know, play the full kit, you know. Um... It's it, it's never. It's usually never anything like yeah. Just just set up and play now, guys. You know, sometimes that's cool. Right. If you can if you can just hear everything, you know. Some usually you can. You know, but they're just uh, they're just making a hobby of it now. Like oh, the band comes in. Okay, like who's who's the guitar player? Who's the keyboard player? <laughs> who's the bass player? All right, who's the drummer? All right. Then you got one of these weird ass bands that like doesn't have necessarily all of those pieces. And you're like, oh no no no, we just kind of get the guitar yeah. and violin. We got a French horn. And we got a French horn. Yeah. We got some. Uh, we got the clove going on. This guy's playing the clove and uh, yeah. a harpsichord. This guy's got a harpsichord. I saw a, a of course this new music ensemble. At, uh, I was involved in a new music ensemble at Dartmouth. Uh, took a course, an elective, and. Uh, I happened to catch, I can't remember the guy's name right now that was the instructor, but we did some very strange music. Hmm. And uh, we had, you know, whatever group of instruments we had, whatever. We had a clarinet, a flute, a trumpet, or whatever. I played the soprano sax, and maybe somebody sang. And, and one of the pieces was you had a bunch of cards and on each card had a a note or a said play loud or whatever and you shuffled them and whatever so you just hmm. went through this and everybody had their stacks of cards and doing it and you just kind of interacted with one another you know if it said six seconds it meant you just play anything you want for six seconds you know or whatever and you'd be 
doing your thing and yeah and and I, I i saw them he had a group and they performed at uh roger williams park the the art museum they i guess downstairs they they have used to have music performances and he had a new music ensemble and, and the percussionist had a a bag of cog shells <laughs> and he would just ruffle the shells during the song and, but you know it, it it you know people people would say that's music well you know so what is music music it's percussion. is music is anything you know yeah i mean so, how do you think the first maracas were made you put some beans in a fucking like empty yeah, empty well, shell yeah yeah and you shake it around okay there you go yeah. yeah that makes some cool sound yeah yeah that's great i mean I, I love that i love the sound of that or at least i would love to see that maybe <laughs> see what you guys did with it That'd yeah be cool and so, like i say eddie harris we can maybe come back with some eddie harris down the road yeah that's what you wanted to listen to so you're, you're a big jazz guy would you say you're predominantly like a jazz well, guy? I, I, what what I enjoyed growing up, the most music that I enjoyed listening to was, would be like jazz rock, mm-hmm. kind of. So, um, Chick Corea, uh, you know, Mahavishnu Orchestra, that you know that that kind of stuff really, yeah. really what I really like. But then. Um, Eddie Harris is a very unique saxophonist because um, he did a lot of experimental things, electric sax, playing a trumpet with a soprano sax mouthpiece, playing a trombone with a trombone, uh, playing a tenor sax with a trombone mouthpiece, hmm. and uh, wrote some really neat stuff. Yeah. Huh. That's cool. I mean, people would know... Because he wrote uh, the theme from Exodus, which is a very popular song. Yeah, I can't think of it right off the top of my head. Anyway, if you heard it, you definitely I would, would know recognize it. For sure. It. Um, anyway, he wrote that. and the, Typically, the music that he wrote, you wouldn't think it would be that. You know, when you listen to it, I guess you can say, oh, I guess that sounds like Eddie Harris. And yet, it's not, you know, typical for him to write a... A melody to be that mainstream. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, but so your, so your main influence you, you maybe is is more jazz oriented. Yeah. More so than like rock. Obviously, you, you do like rock music. I mean, obviously, going through your yeah, records. being a, a saxophonist, I guess you know, and then and you know, and I can I can play some jazz violin stuff. Um, so. Are you a saxophonist primarily? No, mo- mostly violin. Okay. Yeah. But I'm just saying, when I got into the saxes in junior high, then that's when my taste for music certainly changed and it went in the jazz direction. Yeah. yeah. So, do you but play any other instruments aside from violin and sax? Violin, viola, and the, and the saxophones. Yeah. Oh, okay. You could fiddle on other things, I assume, right? You're, you're I mean, I guess I could enough. play the piano a little bit. Yeah. Or the guitar a little bit little bit but not 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 to say that i can really play the instruments i can get some yeah sounds out of them and, and you were doing some gigging recently right you said you were kind of hooking up with a buddy and yeah playing some shows yeah and... I, I, we're playing new hampshire at some restaurants we're playing tomorrow night in nashua so um are you interested in like being like a hired gun at this point kind of like considering you're retired and all i mean like 
if you can find a gig doing oh, some yeah, yeah. violin work and or viola or saxophone. sax work. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's marching band stuff, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So cool, man. Well, I mean, I don't know if you want to put your information out there. I mean, I can always link you. You don't have a website, but I mean... I no, can... but we're, uh, me and uh, John Cucci, the guitar player, are, are putting together a, a website. And so I'll share that link with oh, you. Oh, yeah. When, yeah, when it's ready. Yes. Sure. So we've, we've done some recording uh, and putting, putting a website together. So this way there we'll have something to show and maybe maybe put out a CD or yeah. Down the road. Cool. But, That's great, man. O- original work or just covers or Yeah, we 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 do some original stuff. Um so that's what we probably we would put on the CD, a couple of original. Yeah. Cuts because uh Why not? You're writing it, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean when we play out, it's mostly it's a mixture. There's some of the original material, but predominantly it's it's the mainstream. James Taylor, or, uh, uh, you know, anything. You know, he does an Elvis Presley song. Yeah. He sings and plays guitar, and I just fiddle along with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds great, man. Uh, so we're going to do that. We'll, we'll link you as soon as you have that ready. And uh, if you're interested in anyone contacting you, I can even link your email if you want. You know, in yeah, that way. Certainly. Yeah, why not? Actually, I'm going to link my email because um, I wanted to kind of uh, make a point to let people know that I would love to do what I'm doing with you. I would love to kind of curate more people's record collections because I don't really necessarily care to go hunt for records to sell anymore. Like, it's fun for me, and, and I enjoy doing it. But um, to, to have something like this is really cool, too. To have some to like have someone I know I can just kind of talk to and hang out with and say, all right, well this is what we're gonna do. You know, I can like look through all your records um, and designate my time to that instead of like hunting. You know. Yeah. 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 So um, so my email is uh, songcrafter, s o n g c r a f t e r six 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 at gmail. It was available, so I took it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can email me there. And like, if you have any questions, comments, anything about records, anything about this show, uh, if you want to know about how to, you know, find me to, to curate your records for you, if you have, you know, if you have your own personal collection or if you have a family member that has left you a collection, doing any kind of cleanouts or something like that, I can, I can come and do that because... That's awesome. And um, even if you were to have an estate sale, you probably wouldn't do as good as I can probably find out for you if I have a little bit of time in a computer. <laughs> All right. So, and you'll um, put out my information for the... Oh, yeah. We're yeah. going gonna to link your link eBay to, page. To, to my, my, uh, my eBay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm going to link you. And uh, we'll probably start off with 50 to start, like 50 listings. Um which obviously you have way more than that. Yeah, but that's a good start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, this one will definitely be on there. I'm pretty sure we'll have at least close to 50 by the time this goes up because it'll be very quickly, actually. It'll probably only be a couple days from now or something by the time I get all this video and audio 
synced up and ready to be posted, you know? All right. So cool, man. Well, I thank you. Thank you, Andy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Thank you for letting me listen to this beast. I loved it. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Well, thank you for sitting down and listening to it, you know? We'll do it again sometime. Well, your choice. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, right. everybody. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>